to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Last Gen Podcast. My name is Alex Iaquinto on behalf of Miracle Word Ministries. And boy, am I excited to be back on, and I'm excited for this episode of TLG Podcast. How do y'all like that? The TLG fan. TLG by MWM. We're back. And uh, I guess this today would mark the first Last Gen episode the first last gen episode back from the 21 day fast. So if you don't know, and if you've been living under a rock, Miracle Word Ministries, we all have uh, come together and we did a 21 day corporate fast to start off the year to consecrate the first part of our year to God and prayer and fasting and believing for miracles and breakthrough in 2022. And so the 22nd, we did the, the second through the 22nd, that was 21 days, and uh, we broke on the 22nd. And uh, boy, has first of all, it, it was a great fast. Um, a lot of people dread fasting, and, and mostly that's because they don't understand why they fast. But let me tell you, this fast had a, had a different kind of grace on it. It was um, especially fruitful and especially easy in a way, where it was like, usually you get like, halfway through and you're like, all right, hunger pains are here. And, and, you know, you get to the end, you're like wishing it's over. But by the end, I was kind of wanting it to continue. So, um, so yeah, we broke on the 22nd, the night of the 22nd. If you were with us, evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. and Carolyn Shuttlesworth were both on live and they did a, a breakthrough communion service live on YouTube and Facebook and on the streaming platforms. If you haven't watched it, Go back and watch it. They lay hands on prayer requests, and it was a powerful way to end the fast and break it. All that being said, I did enjoy my first meal. On the last gen Instagram, I had you guys fill out a question because I was curious. I'm always curious to see how people break break their fast. Um, so I asked you what you broke yours with, and we got a whole range of answers all the way from a small bowl of fruit like you're supposed to. Let me just say up front, that's the correct way to break it. You're supposed to ease back into it. Uh, I think it's one day easing in for every week that you did, so three days of easing in, um, back into eating. And so we got people breaking it the correct way with fruits and vegetables, fresh fruits. And let me just tell you, that is not what I did. <laughs> Be honest with you guys, that is not what I did. I... I, I said, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this first meal. So I did, I, I made my favorite breakfast. My favorite, I guess this is my favorite type of food ever. And I, and I, I crushed it. I had eggs, scrambled eggs with cheese. I had bacon. I had bagel and cream cheese. I had pancakes. Man, I had a huge breakfast. Um... And it was uh, probably not smart. Took a little toll on me. But <laughs> but I look back <laughs> and I think it was worth it. But seriously though, guys, um, we had answers like broke it with biscuits and gravy. Like let me let me go here to the to the question and answer. It's actually it's actually funny. Salad, responsible with veggies. Here's here's my favorite. Wendy's triple stack cheeseburger with extra bacon. And cheese. That's 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 the right answer right there. So yeah, I mean, disclaimer: you are supposed to listen. Don't don't let my mistake trip you up. I'm not trying to trying to entice you to hurt your body because that that is seriously dangerous. If if you're doing especially just water only, but we weren't doing just water. We were doing liquids. Um, so I'll take it easy next time. But man, were those Eggs good, man, were those pancakes good. They were good. So we're back to eating, but we are not done pressing in in prayer. We're not done pressing in and reading the word and uh, 
and getting fed the word by listening to teaching and preaching, that's never over. So I'm glad you're back with me today without prolonging it any further because I'm excited. I'm going to, this is kind of a different episode in that I'm not going to be preaching to you, but I'm going to be sitting in the audience with you guys, listening alongside you guys to an amazing message. Um, you know, you know when in a, in a elementary school or middle school even, where a teacher is like having a day where they're just lazy and they don't want to do anything? So they play a movie. You, you can tell they don't want to do any work or teach, so they just say, all right, we're playing a movie. And then Bill Nye the Science Guy comes on. Maybe that just dated me. It was either Brain Pop or it was Bill Nye the Science Guy. But let me just tell you, when Bill Nye the Science Guy, when that theme song came on, Bill, 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 I was excited because I love, I love movie day. But this is not that. This is not because I don't want to come up with anything to teach you guys or or preach to you because I've got a lot in my spirit. But I figured I was speaking to my uncle about this and we were talking about this specific message. And I told him like, I almost just want to show it to my youth at my church and um, to you guys. Just just pop it on because it's it's so important and it answers one of the biggest questions that anyone is asking. I mean, you saw the title, Undeniable Proof of the Bible. Now, this is a big one. Undeniable Proof of the Bible. It's important. Um, Because if the Bible is not real, we might as well just hang it up, my friend. We might as well throw them away. If the Bible is not true, it's not the inspired, inerrant word of God, if it was just written by men and it was just a myth and legend and these things didn't really happen, then what is the use? In fact, let me take you to a scripture that's pretty blunt. Paul is being very blunt in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he's speaking to the Corinthians. And he says something super interesting. He says this, And if Christ, this is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14 through... We'll just keep going. Verse 14, And if Christ has not been raised then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. Listen to this. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. That's the blunt fact about Christianity. Let me tell you something that you might not hear from a lot of people. Christianity is not based on faith. Christianity is not based on us believing in something that we can't see. Or or we don't actually see that it happened. There was no way to tell in the natural that it happened, Christianity is actually based on one fact and one fact alone. One historical fact that can be that can be proved. I mean, not even not not just believed in. We're not squinting our eyes tight enough. I, I just believe it's based on one provable fact from history. This is the fact. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's the only fact. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And Paul was very clear. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then our preaching and your faith is useless and in vain. And we have been lying to you this whole time, and you are still guilty of your sins. And you will be lost for eternity. That's how Paul Paul made it out to be. Look, he said, look, if this thing that we preach, Jesus' resurrection, did not actually happen, and it's like some people say it was just a hoax made up by the apostles and and they really robbed Jesus' body from the grave and the Jews, Jewish believers covered it up. And if that's the case, then throw your Bible out and don't believe in God any longer. Quit praying. Quit going to church. You're wasting your time. But conversely, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, 
then you, when reading your Bible, are reading the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of the Almighty God. And as we go into this this preaching clip, which, listen, this is a great, great preacher, this video is one of the most important videos you can know, watch as a believer and as a young person especially. I, I'm not saying I endorse every single thing that this preacher believes or that he teaches because we differ com- very, very, um, very much on a lot of other things. He's very Reformed. He's very Southern Baptist. Um, so we won't agree on everything. But one of the things I think that Pentecostals in general, and that l- listen, I'm a Pentecostal. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm not not Pentecostal. I'm very Pentecostal. But if there's one thing that Pentecostals suck at, it's being having, having thought-out logical responses for why they believe the Bible. Having a reasonable response. Like, okay... This is a scripture that, that my uncle will quote all the time when he's preaching and teaching. It's 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Peter says, But in your hearts honor Christ as Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. And do it with gentleness and respect. Peter said, always be ready to give a response or an account. Always be ready to respond to someone who has a question about your faith. So if someone asks you a question, hey, why do you believe in Christianity? Why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? Why do you believe in healing? Why do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Why do you believe in speaking in tongues? Your answer cannot be because my church believes it, because I was brought up that way. It's got to be an established, you can prove it, not only from Scripture, but as you'll see uh, in a a few minutes, that it's not just inside Scripture. It's it's more provable than any other fact in human history. I mean, and without preaching his message, I want you to listen to this man. I want you to listen to this message. I want and I've listened to it probably 10 times already. And uh, and even a lot while preparing for this, I, I've been re-listening to it and re-listening to it. But I want you to really understand what this man is saying. This preacher is saying. Listen to the whole thing. It's not a very. That was my Siri. In my room. That freaked me out, not gonna lie. Well, if you heard that, then I did not do my job in post production. <laughs> we'll just leave it in. What was I saying? Listen to this guy. Listen to what he has to say. And listen to the whole thing. It's not a long message, it's very short. So I'm gonna play it and I'm gonna be listening to it with you guys. Because listen. He's going to lay out undeniable proof for the Bible. You don't actually have to flip through the Bible ever again and wonder, is this actually real? You know, because sometimes the devil, I mean, this is his main uh, strategy with any person. Did God really say? He's been doing it from the beginning, beginning of time. So have you ever been flipping through the Bible and reading the miracles and think, man, did that actually happen? J- just getting your head around it. Not that you're in full unbelief, but you're thinking... Did this actually really happen? Did Jesus actually heal a woman who, who had an issue of blood for 12 years? Did, did he actually raise from the dead? Did, did the Red Sea actually part? Like These are um, amazing accounts and amazing proclamations. These are, I mean, these are substantial claims. And if the, if the authors of the Bible are lying, we should be the first to know now so we don't waste any more of our time. But here we're going to listen to Vody Bauckham preach a message entitled, Why I Choose to Believe the Bible. Are you ready? Grab some popcorn. Grab some 
whatever you're drinking, I'm drinking coffee. I think I'm going to make some more tea. But as you're listening to this, really, really press into what he's saying. And on the end, we're going to come back and I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. So here we go into the message. Enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. Here's that question. That question is, why do you choose to believe the Bible? That's the question. We must be able to answer that question in our culture today. It's a legitimate question that deserves a legitimate answer. But you see, because of anti-intellectualism, we hear that question, and usually we'll say something like, well, I believe the Bible because I was raised like that. Well, bless your spirit if that's your answer. But please, don't go out of here and say that to anybody. I, I, I beg you, please don't, don't do that, because that is not a reasoned response. I was raised that way, just doesn't cut it. Or sometimes, because we live in this culture of experientialism, sometimes because of this postmodern culture where what's true for you was not necessarily true for me, and the experience is king, there is another answer with which we have become accustomed that we think is a great answer to the question, and it goes something like this. Why do you choose to believe the Bible? Well, I choose to believe the Bible because I tried it and it worked for me. We say that and then we sort of back up a couple of steps, you know, kind of let the answer sit there. Like we really just did something. You did, what you did was open a logical hole big enough to drive a Mack truck through. That's what you did. Because if your only answer is you believe it because you tried it and it works for you, what about that individual who used to be an alcoholic 10 years ago and he went to an AA meeting and they told him he needed a higher power. He couldn't find a higher power. There was a squirrel that came outside of his window every morning. He decided that squirrel was going to be his higher power. Hadn't had a drink in 10 years. Guess what? He tried the squirrel. The squirrel worked for him. According to your logic, his squirrel has as much authority as your Bible. In the words of Regis Philbin, is that your final answer? I hope it's not. Let, let me give you an answer to that question that I believe is better than I was raised that way. Or it's better than, well, I'm Southern Baptist and that's the way we believe. Or it's better than I tried it and it works for me. I want to tell you why I choose to believe the Bible. Because I don't believe the Bible because I was raised that way, because I, I wasn't. I, I don't choose to believe the Bible because I tried it and it worked for me. My mother's Buddhism worked for her. That's why she was a Buddhist. I need something more than just because it works. Here's the answer. I'll give it to you and I'll unpack it for you. I choose to believe the Bible because it's a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report to us supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. In case you think I just made that up, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. Somebody going to come get me when these lights go off? I'm nervous already. Lights haven't even started going off yet. All right. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we, and we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Now let's unpack this. First of all, the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents. Look at what he says here in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We did not follow cleverly devised tales. We did not follow myths or fairy tales or legends. We did not follow things that were made up. Luke puts it this way in his prologue. 
inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were passed down to us by those who were beforehand eyewitnesses and servants of the Word, it seemed fitting to me, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you might believe God on blind faith. No, so that you might know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. We have a reliable collection of historical documents, not myths, not fairy tales, not legends. This is not the Gilgamesh epic here. These are things that actually transpired in history and were recorded for us. Not only do we have a reliable collection of historical documents, but they were written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. Look at what he says. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw. Anybody love crime dramas? I, I love crime drama. I, you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch Quincy. Anybody used to watch Quincy, you know, growing up? You know, nowadays they got this, what is it, CSI or whatever. Everybody's all excited about CSI. CSI is just Quincy on crack. I, I, that's all that is, y'all. <laughs> Quincy was the man. I mean, he figured that stuff out, you know. You know what would mess up an episode of Quincy or CSI or whatever else you want to watch? if early on you have corroborating eyewitness testimony. You got no mystery then. That's what we have when we read the Bible, corroborating eyewitness testimony. Turn with me to the right, if you will, and look at what John says in his epistle. Look at what John says. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Look at verse 2. The life was manifested and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Verse 3, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. Eyewitnesses, a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses, but I also said during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says that Jesus was resurrected. After he was resurrected, he appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the 12. Then he appeared to all of the disciples at once. Then he appeared to over 500 brethren at one time, and he says these words, most of whom remain until now. When you do the math, you realize that when 1 Corinthians was written, there were over 300 eyewitnesses, at least, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who were still alive during that time. Oh, I hear you. You're well-educated people. You've heard the arguments. Yes, brother, I understand that, but you see what happened was there were individuals who came and doctored the Bible up, and it's been translated so many times, and it's been changed so many times. And when I talk to college students sometimes, they tell me about this myth of these overzealous monks who went out and changed the Bible so that things would match up, so that it would look like we have older documents than we actually have. And in fact, and I think they're really telling me something when they tell this, you know, we don't have any of the originals. <gasps> Like, I'm supposed to shake in my boots when they tell me that. Listen to me. If overzealous monks want to change the Bible, can I explain to you what they would have had to do? Three levels of conspiracy. Level number one, they would have had to have a manuscript conspiracy. When we're talking about just the New Testament itself, there are over 6,000 manuscripts or portions of manuscripts for the New Testament itself. Now, that may not sound like a lot to you, but can I compare it to a couple of things? Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars. That's how we know about Julius Caesar and his conquest. We have around 10 manuscripts. Aristotle's Poetics. We have nearly five manuscripts. When it comes to the writings of Herodotus, we have less than 10 manuscripts. When it comes to the writings of Homer, less than 10 of each of his writings. When it comes to the New Testament, we have 6,000 manuscripts or portions of manuscripts for the New Testament. Folks, that's not even close. Well, you don't have the originals. No, we really don't. But guess what? We can get earlier than AD 120 with some of the copies that we have. When it comes to Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars, the earliest thing we can put our hands on was written 900 years after the original. But nobody's tearing down the walls in college because they're reading Caesar. 
When it comes to Aristotle, the earliest thing we can put our hands on was written 1,400 years after the original. But when it comes to the New Testament, we can put our hands on documents that were written within decades of the originals. So if these overzealous monks wanted to doctor the Bible, what they would have to do is find over 6,000 manuscripts, change all of them, not show their ink work, get them all back where they stole them from, and never tell anybody what they did. That's just level number one. Here's level number two. Jesus said, go and make disciples of ta-ethne, every people group. Funny thing about people groups, they tend to speak different languages. So within the first few centuries, we have the Bible translated into Syriac, Coptic, and Latin. So now these overzealous monks have to find 6,000 Greek manuscripts, change those, doctor them up, don't show your ink work, get them back, go find all the Syriac, Coptic, and Latin translations of those Greek manuscripts, change those to match the lies that you told in another language, and get those back where you stole them from. And that's just level number two. Now you got level number three. The early church fathers had this terrible habit of writing commentary on the New Testament. So much so that Bruce Metzger argues, if all we had of the New Testament was the quotations and citations by the early church fathers, we could reproduce over 95% of the New Testament just from their writings. So now these overzealous monks have to find 6,000 manuscripts and portions of manuscripts, steal them, change them, don't show your ink work, get it back without anybody finding out. They got to find Syriac, Coptic, and Latin translations, change those to match the lies that they told in the 6,000 manuscripts, get those back where they stole them from, and then find all of the writings of all of the early church fathers, change those to match the lies that they told two layers ago, get those put back, never tell anybody what they did, and never ever get caught. Help you if you believe that. We have a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. So far, we just got a good history book. Now it gets good. They report to us supernatural events. Look at what he says here. Verse 17, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Now we got the Mount of Transfiguration. Now we got supernatural events, not superhuman events. We have supernatural events. Stuff you can't get good enough to do. We're not talking about psychosomatic healings. We're talking about a woman with an issue of blood who is healed instantly. We heard earlier about the man with a withered hand healed instantly. Men who were blind from birth, deaf from birth, mute from birth, men who were lame from birth, healed instantly. One of my favorites, Jesus tells the disciples, y'all go over to the other side of the lake, I'll meet you. Later on on the boat, somebody, I don't know who, they say, hey, um, did Jesus say how he was coming? <laughs> no, why? Because he, he coming. <laughs> or my favorite of them all, Friday, dead, Sunday risen. We have a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report to us supernatural events, and those events took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies. We're not talking that general Nostradamus type stuff. Specific prophecies. For example, when Jesus is on the cross, interestingly, when he's on the cross, I don't know, let's just imagine, go back, shall we, if we will. Let's go back to the first century and we're Jewish people and we probably talk about our Old Testament, maybe we use Aramaic when we speak to one another. And I want you to open your Bible, for example, to Psalm number 22, which is where we're going here for a moment. If I wanted you to do that, I couldn't tell you to open to Psalm number 22. 
because we've only had chapters and verses for a few hundred years. If it was the first century and I was speaking to you in Aramaic and I wanted you to turn to Psalm number 22, I would have to tell you to turn to the title of Psalm number 22, which would have been the first line of Psalm number 22. So I'd have to tell you to open your scroll to Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now that ought to sound familiar because it's exactly what Jesus said while he was being crucified. I know you know this, but I like it so much. Let's do it anyway. Psalm number 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look at verse 6. I'm a worm and not a man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head, saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, because he delights in him. Sound familiar? That's what's being said to Jesus while he's being crucified. Look at verse 12. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. Interesting. Pierce him in the side, puncture the pericardium, blood and water rush out. Look at verse 15, my strength is dried up like potsherd and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. How about this wine vinegar on this sponge, Jesus? Because you did say I thirst. Verse 16, dogs have surrounded me. Folks, that's Gentiles. A band of evildoers has encompassed me, one on the right and one on the left. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones, why? because nobody had to break your legs to hasten your death. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Folks, that was written a thousand years before Jesus was born. It was written by a man who never once saw crucifixion in his life because crucifixion had not yet been invented. That is why Peter can say, back in our passage, verse 19, so we have the prophetic word made more sure. We have a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report to us supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies. We just looked at a couple of examples of that. And then here's the kicker. They claim their writings are divine rather than human in origin. Look down with me at verse 20. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. They claimed these are God's words and not theirs. That's why these prophecies were fulfilled hundreds or thousands of years afterwards. That's why they use phrases like, and thus says the Lord, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, and God said to Abraham, they say these are God's words and not men's words. Oh, I hear you. But see, that's the problem. Nobody wants to believe that because they know that men wrote the Bible. And when we say it's the word of God, they say, no, it's the word of men because men took pen to paper. And you cannot trust things that were written by men. That's always interesting to me. You know why? Because back in school, I don't remember anybody, you know, in my math class. Well, you got something wrong, you know. You're supposed to use the Pythagorean theorem there. You know that A squared plus B squared equals C squared thing, you know. You didn't use the Pythagorean theorem there. You got this wrong. You can't mark me off for that. That came out of a math book. A man wrote that math book. That means it's fallible. Just because man took pen to paper doesn't mean you can't trust what's written. The question you ask is this. Is what's written reliable? Is it internally consistent? Is it corroborated? Well, what's corroboration? I don't know, maybe three languages, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, three continents, Asia, Africa, Europe, over 40 authors, most of whom never met one another, who wrote over a period of some 1,500 years until one singularly woven together story. How's that for corroboration? Here's another one, and I just have to admit, I like it when people use this one. Because <laughs> there's part of me that, you know, I don't like to talk about in Sunday school. His name is Bad Vody. Try to let him out at least once a week late at night when nobody's around. He loves this one. When people say, you believe that Bible, but I'm a man of science, 
And unless you can prove it to me scientifically, I just can't believe that. See, at that moment, I try to grab on the bad body and hold him real tight and not let him go. <laughs> because I know what he'll do if I let him go. He won't be Christian. He just won't. Sometimes I think he's not even saved because of the stuff that he wants to say. Because I would be gentle with the people. Bad Vody wouldn't even be gentle. He'd say, you. <laughs> he'd look at him and he'd say something like this. Listen, you don't even deserve to remain in this argument, but I'm going to let you stay in the argument because I'm going to like what's about to happen to you. Because intellectually, I'm about to beat you like a tied up goat. So hold on right where you are, all right? How are you going to sit here and tell me you're a man of science and you'd believe it, you know, if I, you know, proved it to you scientifically? Why do you want me to use the scientific method? Do you not realize that you don't use the scientific method on historical events? That proves you don't even deserve to be in the argument. Here's the scientific method. In order to use the scientific method, something has to be observable, measurable, and repeatable. Folks, you can't use the scientific method to prove that George Washington was our first president. Why? Because his presidency is not observable, measurable, and repeatable. See, they messed around, let me go to school. <laughs> you don't use the scientific method there. You have to use a more evidentiary method there. So what you do is like what we do in a courtroom. You say, do we have any eyewitnesses? Well, I just told you we got some of those. Do the eyewitnesses tell the same story? Yep, Friday dead, Sunday risen. They say something's going to happen and it happens exactly the way they said. You see, we have no external evidence that would argue against the Bible's claim to be the Word of God. None. So the real intelligent thing to do is to believe what it says. So I don't choose to believe the Bible just because I was raised that way. I wasn't. I don't choose to believe the Bible just because I tried it and it works for me. I choose to believe the Bible, now say this with me if you will because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. I told you I wanted to do three things. Number one, I wanted to answer this question that I believe is a pertinent question in our culture that we have to be able to answer. It's a legitimate question that deserves a legitimate answer. There we have Pastor Vody Bauckham on why he chooses to believe the Bible. That was a master class on 1 Peter 3.15. Having an account or an answer for those who have a question about the hope that lies within you. Let me tell you why that's so important. Is because Christians, if they're not prepared and they don't understand why they believe what they believe, if they cannot give an answer like that, what happens a lot of the times is they grow up in church. They grow up in children's class, and they go to church every Sunday. They maybe go to church during the midweek service. They do youth group, and they're all, they're all innocent, and they're all Christian until they go to a secular Christian liberal university, or, or just not a, a Christian university. They go to a I mean, Christian university too, but they grow up, they go to a secular liberal university and they come back four years later, not believing that there is a God at all. They go out, they, they start out very innocent as children, believing in God, but they come out of college believing full on atheists. Why? Because they don't know why they believe what they believe. Listen, Christianity is not a fairy tale. Christianity is not a bedtime story that your parents read to you as you go to bed at night. It is a fact. What is it? I want you to 
even just if you can write this down. I'm telling you this is important. Write this down wherever you can. Write this in the flap of your Bible if you can. I choose to believe the Bible because it's a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies, and they claim to be divine rather than human in origin. Now listen, if, <laughs> if, if even one of these was true, you'd have a strong case for the Bible, but all of them are true. And you really do, after looking at all the evidence, you really do have to be a fool. You, you'd have to be a fool, either knowingly rejecting the truth or being a fool and not accepting the fact that the Bible is true. You, you remember what he said about the 6,000-plus manuscripts or portions of manuscripts that we have about the Bible? People blindly accept that Julius Caesar even existed. But there's far less evidence that, that, that Julius Caesar even existed than that Jesus rose from the dead. Think about that. There's more proof, in, not, not, in, not just, also without the Bible. If you throw the Bible out, there's outside proof of writings of secular historians who count it as fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And you have to have this down or else you'll go into the world all innocent and, and you know, not knowing what's going to happen. Then you get one secular, liberal, humanist professor who tries to talk you out of your faith and it, seem, it makes you try to, you know, tries to make you seem like a fool or like an idiot for believing in this fairy tale Bible. And if you don't have the, the knowledge to stand your ground and know why you believe what you believe, you'll be one of the ones that Jesus and the Apostle Paul spoke of when they said, in the last days, many will fall away from the faith. Because without knowledge and without a firm foundation, no one can stand firm in the truth. God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge of me. And that's not going to be us in Jesus' name. We're not going to be the ones that fall back. That's why it's so important that you understand this. This is just to recap what he said. I choose to believe the Bible because it's a reliable collection of historical documents. Now, what does that mean? There are many people. Let's just take the New Testament. Many people who write down the same occurrences from different perspectives in each story lines up perfectly. Historical document written down by eyewitnesses. These are firsthand accounts. It's not, it's not a, a passed down folk, folklore like I heard from my mom who heard from her mom and her mom and it's, it's just passed down. It's not that. It's by eyewitnesses. The people that wrote the Bible were there when it happened. By eyewitnesses in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. Why is that important? Because if these were written down in the life, not in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, then you just have to take their word for it. But think about this. If I wrote something that, you know, let, let's say that Jesus' resurrection was a hoax and that Jesus did not actually raise from the dead, that the disciples carried his body out of the tomb and made it look like that. Don't you think there would be many, 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 many documents of people in that day who write down, no, this is not true, what they're saying about Jesus, it's a hoax, and, and it's completely made up. We don't have one document that dispels and proves that there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ. written down by other eyewitnesses, by eyewitnesses in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies. He went through Psalm 22 and didn't really scratch the surface because he didn't have time. But if you go through Psalm 22 and, and 
dig deep into just that one psalm, that one chapter of the Bible, Psalm 22, about the specific prophecies. that They call it the crucifixion psalm. And it was written hundreds and hundreds of years before crucifixion was ever invented. I mean, it's insane. It's insane to realize that this is, is prophecy. This is not, he's not vaguely talking about something. He's talking about crucifixion. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus uttered that verbatim. Here's an, another thing that he says. I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by all the people. Jesus was despised by all the people. He, all who see me mock me. Read the, read the account of his crucifixion. People were mocking him. They wagged their mouths at me. They wagged their head. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. That's what they were saying about Jesus. Oh, if you are, if you are the Son of God, why don't you have God deliver you from this? Why don't you come down from this cross? Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. When When Jesus was stabbed, water and blood rushed out. All my bones are out of joint. If you look up in crucifixion, what happens is they don't they don't try to kill you by the the blood or the nails or the hanging you. They kill you by suffocation. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the nails in his hands and the nail in his feet, what what they were trying to do is break their ribs and and so they couldn't hold themselves up to breathe in. So they'd get so tired that they'd br- their all of their joints, all of their their arms since they were hanging from the cross, all of their joints would come out of their socket and his shoulders would be dislocated, all of his all of his chest would be dislocated, all of his bones would be out of joint. So what does it say here? All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax and it's it's melted within my my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. Now, something else about crucifixion that's interesting is that what he prob what Jesus probably died of was heart failure. And when that happens, all of your strength, literally, the water in your body dries up. So Jesus' body would have been dried up. So what does it say there? My strength is dried up like potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. That's why his tongue stuck to his jaw, because it was dry. For dogs encompass me, and a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Think about that. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all of my bones. Why can he count all of his bones? Because not one bone in his body was broken. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That is insanely accurate. Skeptics call Bible prophecy, not even save people, secular people call Bible prophecy history before it takes place. History written before it takes place. They report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies, and they claim to be divine rather than human in origin. I hope this episode of the Last Gen Podcast built your faith, not only to believe in God, but to believe every word that comes out of the Bible is true. Listen, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to share this broadcast or or this podcast to your friends. Maybe they don't even believe in God. Maybe your atheist friends, people who aren't sure about their faith, they're questioning their faith, questioning the Bible. They don't believe that the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God. Share this to them. Get the word out because people need to hear how, you know, you don't have to throw out your brain when you come to Christ. You can be a logical thinking person. And actually, when you take all of the facts into account, you take all of the all of the facts and present them without any bias, the only logical thing is that the Bible is true. Jesus rose from the dead, and every word in this Bible came true just like they said it would. And if you are that person listening and, and you're not sure of your faith, maybe you were full-on atheist. I want you to, to challenge you. 
Drop your preconceived notions. Drop whatever you thought about Christians, thought that they were dumb, or, you know, this whole thing, how could this even be? Drop all of that and look at the facts. What other answer is there? There isn't one. And I guarantee you right now in your heart, you know the, the, what, what the truth is. You know that you can't deny the truth for any longer. And I want to challenge you. If you, you know that's you, you know you slipped away and you, because you, you let doubt creep in your mind, I don't know if the Bible's real, I don't know if I could believe that, I believe science. You heard what he said. You can't prove anything historical using the scientific method. So don't get rid of that, that trope, get rid of that, that mindset. And what are you left with? You have to accept the truth. If that's you, and you know that you're realizing just now that the Bible is real. Jesus, God wasn't just lying. This is the actual word of God. Jesus rose from the dead. I want to challenge you to accept Christ today. Make Jesus your Lord and Savior. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the free gift of God, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer where you are. Say it out loud. Say it to God. Not as some religious mantra, but say it to God from your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I've sinned, but today I turn from sin and I turn to you. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Father, you said if I do that, then I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm never going back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you just made a decision or a recommitment to follow Jesus, I want you to contact us. Go on Instagram at the.last. Gen. DM us. All you have to say is, I just got saved. We're going to send you a free Bible and some free videos to help you out in the Christian faith. This isn't a joke. This isn't a, a fairy tale. This is real. For everyone else watching, thanks for watching. I really hope this helped you as it did help me because I was listening alongside you and enjoying every minute of it. If you've never listened to the Last Gen Podcast before and this is your first time, stay connected with us. This is a youth podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries with the goal of building your faith, helping you know why to believe what you believe, and to prepare you to live holy and live on fire in these end time days. Stay connected with us. If you didn't know, we have an Instagram account that we post on all the time. We do interactive content. And I think I'm going to get back on the street and do some trivia interviews for Starbucks gift cards because the last one was hilarious. And people have been asking me to do another one. So if you have any suggestions where I should go, if I should go back to Target and ask people trivia questions, if I should go to Walmart, Wawa, the side of the road, whatever you think, we'll go there and we're going to have a lot of fun. Listen, I love you. Stay connected with us. Is there anything else? Enjoy your meals, keep pressing into God with everything that you have, and I'll see you next week. I love you. Bye, everybody.